0: Today, uh, before I get into the homily, I I just want to point out, it's my sister's birthday today, and she made me promise not to point her out, so I won't tell you that she's over there because that would go against, I believe it's her 29th, yeah, she's had a few of those. Uh, Today there's a very practical part to our homily, and then uh, I'll get into our spiritual Uh, lesson, which will make this a bit longer than usual, but I I think all of it's necessary. Um, Basically, the first part I need to tell you about a major uh, update the diocese mailed out uh, that some of you got. Um, I don't know who gets what or whatnot, but what do we got? Well, uh, for the last five years, our diocese has engaged in an extremely intensive data gathering project. And, and why are they doing it? Well, as you may know, particularly those of you who are my age or older, you remember those days when you couldn't go 10 feet without hitting a Catholic church in Flint. Uh, you had the Pol- where the Poles went to church, where the Germans went to church, you had all of these uh, regional uh, churches and you had a lot of priests back then. And now we're at a point where there's more Catholics in this country than there's ever been. And there's less priests per Catholic than ever. If you look, for example, last I knew there were a little less than, uh, well, a little more than 77 million Catholics in our country and a little less than 30,000 priests. Uh, Of that 30,000, almost 50% working at or past retirement age. Um, you have a lot of different phenomena and uh, the changing of our culture and some really, really messed up stuff from the church that have resulted in people uh, participating less and giving less, but simultaneously needing more. Um, This has been our lot for some time. And the whole system, of course, is built on a time when the priest just might have been the only person in the congregation with a college degree, which is no longer even remotely the case. So what the diocese has been looking at is, what do we do? Um, Priests are getting in trouble, be it, of course, morally, uh, but also emotionally, physically. Uh, What do we do uh, about the fact that what is it, I believe 50% of Catholics interviewed who said they did not believe that the Eucharist was the presence of God in the form of bread. And all that is is the most important thing, right? Uh, something has gone awry. And how do we as a diocese take our limited resources financially and priestwise, and meet the incredible need of a society that's abandoned God in many ways, while we have uh, been defined, rightly so, by our abject moral failures. Right? What do you do with all of that? Um, I had uh, some suggestions, and I was going to make a joke, but it's not worth it. So what do we do? Uh, They finished the study, and they made their recommendations. So I'm going to walk us through it real quick, because it does affect us, and I want us to hear it. Um, First... The study concluded with a few key findings, uh, and I found them simple to summarize. Uh, We are so busy trying to maintain our buildings and our churches that we don't fulfill the mission we're called to. Uh, Limited resources, funding and clergy are working against our ability to get to the unchurched and to help the poor. The two things we're supposed to do. The image I always think of is I, I had a brother who worked for an oil company, uh, a refinery, and I was uh, we're kind of like those oil refineries. We're making just enough stuff to keep ourselves running, but we're supposed to be exporting. Yeah? And this is primarily, it seems, what we're running into. Uh, so what did they do? They articulated four principles of what does a healthy parish look like, okay? And they gave us four things. First, at a healthy parish, the priests are given a lot of cookies. Um, I want to challenge you. No, uh, kidding. All right. Uh, No, at a healthy parish, the priests are striving to be holy. And you might think, well, of course. No, not of course. And you've seen it. Yeah? Number two, at a healthy parish, the staff is equipped and empowered to do their ministry. Number three, at a healthy parish, Uh, The parish makes and forms disciples. And number four, at a healthy parish, we seek out the lost and the poor. So those are qualities of a healthy parish. And so this committee said, what do we do then to make that possible at a parish? In the end, they felt a group structure. I, I think a good way to put this is so much of it is on priests. Yes, so much of the failures are on my tribe. We, um, tragically, uh, can end up being excellent administrators and called a success, but you don't need to be holy to be a good administrator. Uh, And to me, a core issue is priests have too much power. It's not good for anyone's soul to have the ability to run a parish like a dictator, but we can. I try. You know, all through my life, I feel like God has offered lessons, and sometimes I catch them, and sometimes I don't. But one of the crazy ones, and it might seem small to you, but stick with me. I've told this story a million times, because for me, it changed something in my brain. Uh, I was serving as a sacramental minister at a parish, What does that mean? I wasn't a pastor and I wasn't an associate. I I just did the sacraments. Basically, I didn't have to go to meetings. It's the best part. Um, We were at this meeting that I had to be at because I would sinned or something. And uh, the pastor knew they were getting new tile for the floor in the church. Now, if you know me, you know that my interest in the different tiles would be right up there with reading the ingredients on a cereal box. I, I can't see a lot of colors, and I don't have opinions on colors, except I like green and white. So we're at this meeting, and the pastor had gathered six people, six volunteers, uh, one, two, three of whom were interior decorators. And they went through the church and did that thing with all those palettes that look alike and are supposed to, you know, but have different names. And uh, now we're together to pick what color the tile will be. And so the dude who was running the thing has this thing. He says, it's between these three. So let's pass this around. And everyone say what number you think the tile should be. So the first person on the left, I'll never forget, looked and went, oh, definitely two. Great. Next person, yep, Two. Two, two, two. Comes to the pastor, my hand to heaven. He went, three. And we did three. I'm like, okay, that's messed up. Yeah, that is a broken system. I know for a fact that having a theology degree, a philosophy degree, and a history degree, as well as the grace of ordination, it doesn't make me smarter. Right? And it's, the system's broken. And for someone to have the power to look at a finance council and say to all these people, no, we're doing this because I say so. That's just not good for a priest's soul. It encourages a sort of narcissism. Um, And yikes. We have to be holy or the whole thing falls apart. That's our job. It's tough to be holy when it's meeting, meeting, meeting. Insurance and personnel and all of these things. How do we fix the structure? So here's what they came up with Um, for us specifically, right? Uh, Every parish is a part of this plan. And what is the plan? They're going to, uh, the diocese is offering parishes a group structure. And what does that look like? Um, It involves gathering priests from different parishes and saying, share your resources. Priests, live together. Pray together. Hold each other accountable. Um, and for us, they released the grouping last week. What will ours look like? It's us, St. Mark, and you're already sharing me. You're already doing this, right, with St. Mark right now. But we will add to this St. John and Fenton. Okay? So it will be St. John and Fenton, Holy Family here in Grand Bank, St. Mark and Goodrich. And what will we do? We will seek to take over all the other... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We will gather an army, you know. Uh, (laughs) We would be so bad at that. Well, peace be with you. Uh, No, what will we do? We're going to share resources. Uh, The priests will move into this rectory here, and we will live a communal-type life together, praying together, uh, holding each other accountable, helping each other out, that sort of thing. What will the parishioners do? Well, they've given us a little map. So whenever the bishop says, go, we'll get some people from here, some people from Mark's, some people from um, John's, and they'll meet together and start to figure out how can we help each other. I really think this is common sense. I really think it's smart. A lot of dioceses did the simple and quick thing, yeah, what, uh, well, I won't say it. One diocese closed 50% of its parishes in this state. 50%. This is all based on the idea that if we do it right, we'll grow. And I believe that. I really do. I think Jesus actually has the right way to go. And if we move past survival mode, if we move past the kind of myopia that happens when we become so internally focused, I think this will have an effect on our community. I really do. Um, I'm excited, I think this will be a good thing, Uh, but I gotta tell you, I won't have a ton of answers for you as to what it will look like. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The primary being, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what this is gonna look like. I do know that the things I've told you are accurate. But beyond that, what we're waiting for, and I think he said next week, the bishop will approve this plan and then tell us who's where. So in this structure, they will take, so our three parishes, there will be one priest that's called a moderator, and that will be the priest in charge. That's the priest setting the vision and trying to push it along. That will be the priest making sure that the staff is equipped and trained and ready to go. And then there will be a pastor at each parish who is under that moderator. Now this is happening all over the diocese. Every church in our diocese is going to do this. Our grouping is probably the smallest one in terms of the number of parishes, but certainly the biggest in terms of the number of humans involved. We will find out who's doing what, I believe, next week. But this is the church, so it might be next month. When will it start? We don't know. Uh, Some parishes it'll be next year. Some parishes it will be in three. Some it will be in seven. Uh, So we'll find out. And uh, the reason we're sharing it with you today, before we uh, get the final word, is because, frankly, um, some other priests told people last week, and words started to get to you, and I just didn't want you to worry. Uh, I don't think this is a thing that's going to affect us negatively in any way at all. I, <laughs> I could be a fearful person. If I was afraid, I would tell you. I think this is a good thing. I really do. I think the priesthood, uh, as we're living it, is not good. Uh, the priests should focus on holiness, and I'm providing the sacraments, not on being king of a small tribe. So, uh, we'll figure this out, and we'll see where the Lord takes us. Um, God help you, I still wanna do a little homily. I'm so sorry, but not really. Uh, it's just, I can't pass this up. Um, we, are we putting the reading still in the bulletin? Do you have the second reading in your bulletin? Do you know? I don't know. Um, No? Okay, shoot. All right. The second reading today, Jesus wants you to go home, print it out, and stick it to your fridge. It is huge for us. And it honestly can help us with this sort of thing. Um, Since I was in seminary and a priest pointed this passage out to me, it has been defining. And it's in our second reading. Ready? He who started this good work in you will see it to completion. He who started this good work in you will see it to completion. He who started this good work in you will see it to completion. That should fill us with hope. The day, as a semi-adult, I figured out that I wanted to love God and let God love me. That was the beginning of a good thing. And at times I get frustrated by my limitations. I get frustrated by my sin. I get frustrated by my affection for sin. I get frustrated by the darkness. And I have to remember in those moments, he who started the good work will finish it. It's not all on me. It's not all on you. What God needs from you and me is to say, I will never give up. However hard I have to fight this sin, I will never give up. Because God has already won. He started this. He'll finish it. And I will be faithful to the process. I will call on the Holy Spirit to help me in this fight. I'll pray Jesus heal me of my affection for sin. And I will press forward. Why? Because He started it. This wasn't your idea, it wasn't mine. It's was God's idea. And if He started it, He'll finish it. Does this, does this fill you with hope? Yeah, me too. Because it's not all I mean. I don't have the strength, I've tried. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the love. I want to. But what I can do is cling to him and trust, trust, trust. He started it. He'll finish it. And if it kills him, he'll get us to heaven. So today, we cling to hope joyfully. Not white knuckle, but red, full, bleeding hearts filled with love and a readiness to take whatever wounds we got to take knowing that more than we want anything in the world, God wants us with him. And so we have hope. We have hope for the parish and for our future. But most important, we have hope for our salvation. That whatever obstacles the devil or ourself put in the way, he who started this good work will see it to completion. Amen? Amen. Okay.